Praise God. Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made, and let us rejoice, hallelujah, and be oh so glad in it. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the living God. Before we get into today's message, however, let's spend a few moments here, a minute or two, in worshiping God in song and in music. And wherever you are, why don't you just lift your hands and and let the Lord know how much you love him, because Jesus is indeed your Lord. And let's listen to Jesus, Lord to Me, by Alvin Slaughter. Jesus, Jesus, Lord to Me. You're my master. To my Savior, Praise God. Praise God. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. 
Heavenly Father, Lord God, Jehovah, most magnificent God, O Lord, we come before you this day in the matchless name of Jesus, O Lord God, to just praise you and to worship you and to adore you. We thank you, Heavenly Father God, for all things, both great and small, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for all of those things that we take also for granted in this life, every single heartbeat, every single breath, O Lord God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, even for the challenges that come our way, O Lord, because we know that it is through these challenges, through these tributes, that we build patience and strengthen you, O Lord God. So we even thank you for those things, O Lord. Heavenly Father, as we've gathered here today like this to worship you and to partake of your word here today, O Lord, we ask that you continue to commune with us, stay with us, dwell with us, O Lord, as we hear your word today. I ask in the name of Jesus, O Lord, that you prepare the hearts and the spirits and the minds of every single person hearing this message today. Prepare them to receive your words today, to receive your words and to understand your words, O Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus, O Lord God, that your Holy Spirit will send out a special anointing right now, O Lord God, as I am praying. Let your Holy Spirit anoint every single listener here, O Lord. Touch them in your own special way. I pray that you minister to them, O Lord God, and in, in, in look into their hearts. O Lord God, speak to them that they may know that you are Lord God Jehovah and that nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible for you, O Lord God. We praise you. We magnify thy most glorious name. Heavenly Father, I give this time and this space, O Lord, entirely unto you, Heavenly Father. Take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise, O Lord. We thank you, Lord God. We give it to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Time is really flying, and I can't believe that this is another Memorial Day weekend. Boy, the time is just simply slipping by, flying by here. And um, on this Memorial Day weekend, we need to thank God for our freedoms and also to remember and be thankful for all of those who have served over the many years in fighting for our freedom, O Lord God. Thank you. We thank you for that, Heavenly Father. So let us be thankful for all of those that fought for our freedoms on this particularly special Memorial Day. Amen. We thank God because some things are beginning to reopen around the country and and preparing to get back on track. You know, and uh, um, we're moving forward gradually, and, and I'm glad to see that some eyes are being opened and some minds are being opened to us getting back to some semblance of normalcy. But in the meantime, as we are going down this path, there is so much talk about the quote-unquote new normal. So much talk about the new, mo- new normal. They're trying to usher in a new reality, and they're calling it the new normal. You keep hearing it repeatedly on TV. You're reading about it, the new normal. They're trying, they're trying to bring about a new change. Someone even said that we must take advantage of this time of coronavirus to reimagine, to reimagine life as we know it. Okay, now, the word reimagine means to rethink, to reshape, to recreate things as we now know it, to change things, create anew. They say that it is time for us to adjust to this new normal. Because life will never be the same as we recover from this pandemic. All you keep hearing is the new normal, the new normal. As they tell us that sports will not be the same, educating our children will not be the same, going to the movies or the theaters will not be the same, and also going to church will not be the same. 
All you hear is new normal, new normal, new normal. That's all you hear. A few of the nation's leaders have openly said that they must take this coronavirus pandemic as an opportunity to reshape this country, to achieve their vision, okay? To take advantage of this pandemic, all of the pain that everyone is going through, to, to change society as we know it here, to, so, so that they can achieve, as they, their words, to achieve their vision of what this country and what the world, for that matter, should look like, okay? In the meantime, until now, churches were not deemed to be essential, Okay, while marijuana shops, liquor stores, and even abortion clinics were deemed to be essential and were allowed to remain open. Churches, in the meantime, were being forced to remain closed or minimize attendance to 10 people in some states and have been fined for opening their doors. There was a church in Mississippi that was actually set on fire. Okay, and those that set on fire scrawled on the sidewalk outside the church, you know, now let me see you open your doors now, you know, after the fire, after they burned them down. So there's a meanness, there's a, there's a spiteful, there's a, an evil spirit that is out there that is, is against the church in that regard. One official was even talking about on television of trying to disallow choirs because singing spreads germs. He actually stood there at the microphone and said, singing in church is dangerous because it spreads germs. Where are they heading? Christians need to be given the choice to attend in person or online, but not forced by any government to stay closed. Okay? And it's okay to go to church online if for some reason that you can't make it out, if you're infirmed or for some reason, you know, you're, you're um, I don't know, on business, get back to going going out on business, traveling and so forth, and you can't get to your home church. There's nothing wrong with listening to it online. But still, though, give that to me as my choice. Do I wish to go online or do I wish to go to the brick and mortar, the physical building of the church, you know? We talked about this before, of course, you know, we are the body of Christ, we are the church, but still, we should not be mandated by any government, any other person, whether or not we can go into a, a, uh, a physical church building, you know. But with all of this that you hear and that you read, it just makes you wonder what's going on, you know, it makes you wonder what is really going on. Is this so-called new normal really just a disguise for ushering in the new age movement, okay? Is it really just a disguise for the new age movement? Are they really just taking advantage of coronavirus to bring in this new age movement, the new age movement? However, I believe their plans are going to backfire on them, okay, because they're coming against God's children in part. I believe their plans are going to backfire on them because these times are going to have people return to God. I believe these times are going to have people return to God. There's not going to be any more of this lukewarm attitude. You know, the word of God says, oh, the older you're lukewarm, I wish that you are hot or cold. Okay? Because lukewarm, I will spew you out. But I believe people are going to come back to God because of what is going on. Amen? So, considering what's going on, I say to you today, beware the new normal. Beware the new normal that you're hearing so much about. Beware the new, more, new normal that might be the forerunner of the New Age movement. Now, I don't, don't, I don't want to you say, you know, hey, Pastor Mike, you know, you, you sound like you're, you're getting paranoid here. Well, God wants us to use discernment. 
And I say that it's mighty odd that so many officials that are in government and controlling places and some in the media keep using the same term, new normal, okay? It's like it's been orchestrated to use that term, new normal, okay? So if you're saying to me, well, this might be the forerunner of the new age movement, well, what is the new age movement, okay? What exactly is it? Well, I'm just going to give you a broad brush interview, because a broad brush overview, I should say, because the purpose of this message is not to promote the new normal, I'm sorry, the New Age movement, but I want to give you some background, okay? And the expression New Age came into existence in the 1970s and 1980s. Those of us who are young enough to remember, quote-unquote, young enough to remember those years, you can remember that it was very much in the forefront there at those time, at that time in discussion and in, even in the way people dressed, you know. It was promoted by several books that were published that presented the agenda, those books presented the philosophical and the spiritual vision of this so-called New Age. There was even a hit song that was out. It was that was pop. It was called Aquarius, you know. And the lyrics to the word, uh, to the song, you know, I don't recall all, all the lyrics. We're talking about when the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter is aligned with stars. That pre, uh, what is it? Peace will guide the planet, and so on like that. And it just talked about this new age of of enlightenment, where everyone was going to be under enlightenment. Okay, the new age where the mind was going to experience true liberation. That's what the New Age was talking about. Okay. Well, one would say this is only a song, but it was touting this New Age and a new normal, if you will, that would be better for mankind, the New Age. New Age thinking has its roots in Eastern mysticism. Okay. And what it attempts to do is, is that it, it attempts to bypass the mind. It says that the third eye, believe it or not, the third eye, which is supposedly located in the forehead, is what gives us spiritual enlightenment. Okay, this was the philosophy. This is what was being talked back in those years. Okay, now I'm not preaching again. I'm not preaching on the merits of the New Age movement, but I want to build a foundation to enable you to see the potential for what is going on. In the book Walking Through the Through the Darkness, written by Neil uh, Anderson, he writes in part, "quote The New Age movement is not seen as a religion, but a new way to think and understand reality." is very attractive to the natural man who has become turned off by organized religion and Western thought. He desires spiritual reality, but doesn't want to give up materialism, deal with moral problems, his moral problems, or come under any authority. Okay. Then Anderson goes on to summarize New Age thinking uh, with these points, that New Agers believe that there's going to be a cosmic ev evolution, they believe a new age is coming. There will be a new world order and a new world government. Does that sound familiar to you? A new world order and a new world government. New age thinkers believe that there will eventually be a progressive unification of world consciousness. This, according to the Bible, obviously, is a counterfeit kingdom led by no other than Satan himself. All right? Jesus has the true kingdom. And he will one day rule on earth with peace for all who accept him as Savior and King. New Agers believe that all is God. All is God. In other words, if all is one, including God, then one must conclude and understand that all is God. Okay, now this kind of thinking is called pantheism. Okay, and so that, that, that says that trees, snails, books, and people are all of one divine force. 
A personal God who has revealed himself in the Bible and in Jesus Christ is completely rejected by New Agers. Since God is impersonal, the New Ager doesn't have to serve him. Under this philosophy, God is an it, not a he. And when they talk about the new normal, I say beware the new normal. New Agers believe that there is a change in how we think. There is a change in how we think. If we are God, then we need to know and to realize that we are God. We must become cosmically conscious, enlightened, attuned to the cosmic consciousness. (laughs) Some who reach this enlightened status will claim to be, listen to this now, some who reach this enlightened status will claim to be born again, quote unquote. Okay, which is a counterfeit of the true biblical conversion. But it's interesting how they borrow from the terms, from the biblical terms. Okay, if you reach this cosmic enlightenment in this new age, then you can claim to be born again. The key point is not whether we believe or meditate, but the key point is whom we believe in and what we meditate upon. Jesus is the true personal reality. As he said that he is the way, the truth, and life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. John 14, verse 6. Amen. But the New Ages don't believe that. Okay. The New Ages, they make contact with the kingdom of darkness. They refer to uh, a medium as a, quote, unquote, as a channeler. All right. They refer to a medium simply as, oh, he's a channeler. And they refer to a demon as a spirit guide. <laughs> All right? They actually call a demon a spirit guide. Right? Now, you know what the Bible says about mediums, and I won't even get into, get into that right now. All right? But this does not change the reality of what they are. This is the kingdom of darkness that Satan heads. Those involved in this kind of activity are in contact with a world that is totally opposed to the biblical God revealed to us in Jesus Christ, who defeated Satan. Amen. The New Age movement, it's a counterfeit philosophy that appeals to the feelings of individuals, leading them to think that they are God and can enhance their lives through their own actions, absent God. They don't need God because they think that they are God. The reality is that we are born, grow up, live a, uh, live a while on planet Earth, and then we go home to the Lord. All right? We can never be God. We need someone greater than us who can provide us forgiveness and life eternal. Oh, boy, praise the Lord for Jesus Christ. But this is a twisted way that they're thinking. And when I hear new normal, new normal being repeated, then I think of new age, new age, new age. Considering today's times, see if the, the following sounds familiar to you. The definition of truth is whatever is most expedient at the moment. That's what truth is. Whatever is most expedient at the moment. Consider this sad, this uh, uh, definition. Christians are considered the outer margin of society. You know, Christians are not the heart of society the way God intended us to be. But we're just a, a fringe group, kind of on the outskirts of society. It don't really matter. Okay. The other thing that's popular today is marriage is defined according to personal preference. Right? Do those do those things sound familiar to you? If you've been following the news, well, I'm sure it does. If you've been reading the Bible, I know it sounds familiar as, as well. Okay? They may be trying to usher in a new normal, but God is the same. God is the same. 
The move to manipulate or twist the mankind away from Christianity has always been around. The world's efforts to redefine marriage is one of several strings of events that suggest that the worldly folks out there are trying to enter us into this new normal they keep discussing. All right? The things that they're pushing down our throats, their, their agendas, it reeks of as a part of this new normal. If so, here's the good news. The Bible was written for times like these. The church flourishes in times like these. Scripture exists to help the church, us, thrive as citizens of heaven and strangers and exiles on earth. For while we are in the world, we are not of the world. In such times, our call is clear. In changing times, hold to the unchanging hand of God. Embrace what is true. Anchor to what is right. Set your heart on heaven and have faith, saints of God. Have faith. The Lord who began the church will surely, surely sustain it. In Isaiah 5, verses 20 to 25, uh, verses 20 and 21, sorry, it says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. We can see from the scriptural record, saints of God, the Bible, that there were other new normals that existed over time. New normals that were thrust upon God's children. There is nothing new under the sun. No, there is nothing new under the sun. Under the sun. The scriptural record shows that there were other new normals. So let's go to the word of God and look at one such new normal. Let's go to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel. Praise the living God. Praise the living God. The book of Daniel. If you don't have your Bible, again, please hit your uh, hit the button there on pause, run and get it, and then come right back and resume the uh, the podcast. Thank you, Jesus. And Daniel one verse number one. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the, to the house, house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end of thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the, were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself 
Underline this in verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. That he might not defile himself. Here we see that Daniel was thrust into a quote-unquote a new normal. He was captured. He was living his life as an Israelite. And then he was captured. A new normal. This new normal was thrust upon him through his captivity into Babylon. But he refused to conform or give in. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, in the first year of his reign, took Jerusalem. Now, it is not unusual that kings would want to find wise men when they took cap- captives to see if they were, were able to train them up, you know, to benefit them or his kingdom. Okay. Nebuchadnezzar ordered that those, these chosen youths should be taught in their ways. Okay. Talk about a new normal. Here he was picked, they were picked up and captured, and they were going to be taught the ways of, the, of these heathens, of the uh, Babylonians. They even changed the youth's names. The Hebrew names that had meaning. Okay, but they wanted to make them forget the God of their fathers. The heathens gave them names that reflected their idolatry. Okay, changed their names from good godly names, Hebrew names, to those idolatrous names. As for instance, Daniel, okay, in the Hebrew means God is my judge. But it was changed to Belteshazzar, which means protect the life of the king. Hananiah means Yahweh is gracious in Hebrew. But it was changed to Shadrach, which means command of Aku, who is the moon god. You see? So you talk about a new normal. They not only uprooted them out of their own land, they brought them into this new land and and, and tried to feed them the king's meat and and drinking the king's wine, which Daniel refused, but also actually changed their names. Talking about a new normal, okay? But Daniel was still firm to stick with God. Whatever they called him, he still held fast the spirit of an Israelite. He still stuck fast to God. We go to Daniel 1, verse number, starting with, uh, continuing with verse number 9. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your meat and your drink. For why, for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall he make me endanger my head to the king. In other words, he's saying that if you don't eat the same food that the others are eating and whatnot, then you're not going to, to, to look right. You know, your, 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 your countenance is going to fail. And then because of that, I, my head will be endangered, okay, because the king will be mad at me because you're not eating this food. Verse number 11 says, Then Daniel, say, uh, then Daniel, then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. So he's saying, okay, test us. Give us for ten days. Let us eat this pulse. I don't know what pulse is, but it's some type of food. To give us pulse to eat and water to drink. And then it says in 13, Then let our countenance be looked upon before thee and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he's saying, feed us the pulse in the meat. In other words, we want to abstain from that diet. And at the end of ten days, compare how we look to the other kids who are indeed eating the king's meal. All right. 
Verse 14. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. And at the end of the ten days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat of the portion of the king's meat. All right. So here they stuck to their godly ways. They would not eat that food and and uh, and drink and drink that the king was offering. And they stuck to what they wanted to eat. You know, something that was not from the king's table. And because of that, God sustained them. And it says that they wound up looking better, appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the other children which did eat the portions of the king's meat. You see. It's always best to stick with God. Hallelujah. Verse 16. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. Okay. So see, see these youths, they wouldn't even give in to eating the food. When God's people are in Babylon, they need to take special care that they partake not of Babylon's sins. Okay. When we are in the world, we need to make sure that we are not partaking of worldly things, you see. And many times we Christians, we tend to want to make excuses to ourselves. You know, well, gee, as everyone else is doing it. You know, that old expression, when in Rome, you know, do as the Romans do. No, 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 no. When God's people are in Babylon, quote, unquote, we need to take special care to make sure that we're not partaking of the same nature, the same sins, the same things that they wind up partaking and doing and committing. We are not to covet or seek the delights of any new so-called new normal. Okay, These youths were in a new normal, but they refused to participate in what they were, were offering. Those who would excel in godly wisdom must learn to resist the temptations of any new practices that might come with any kind of so-called new normal. So neither watch out, watch where this is heading. Where would this so-called new normal bring us Christians? What would we have to do? How would we have to act? What would we have to participate in? Okay. Daniel avoided defiling himself with sin. As a result, God gave him skill in all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. He didn't accept the offerings of the so-called new normal. Okay. Returning to the Word of God and looking at verse number 17, as for these four children... God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And we know later on that came very much into play when Daniel was the only one that could interpret the king's dreams, when he was threatening to kill off all the astrologers and so forth. I don't want to jump ahead too too much. Then, then in verse number 18, Now at the end of the days that the king had said he would bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all of his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. Daniel and his fellows were... Faithful to God, and God rewarded them as a result. They stood fast. As a result, the king found them to be the most favorable than all of the other astrologers in his kingdom. All right, he looked to honor God more than man. He looked to honor God much more than man. He wasn't going to give in, as we must do with whatever might come out of this so-called new normal that's being discussed. 
Let us all remember that God will honor those who honor him. But those who despise him, or those who go against him, shall be, those who go against the man shall be lightly esteemed. Okay? Then we see Daniel's second new normal. When things got worse, all right? Now, before we had talked about um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so we're going to skip over that part of Daniel. We're going to get to what happened with Daniel here, okay? I'm not going to go back to that again. But if you go to Daniel 6, Daniel chapter 6, praise the living God. Daniel chapter 6, and we want to start with verse number 6. All right, well, let me, let me, let's, let's start at, let's start at four, okay? Let's start at number four. Then the president, the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. They started getting jealous of him. But they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. There was nothing that he did wrong, but they had to find something to fault him with. Then said these men's, men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. In other words, unless we find it against him concerning how he worships or his God, okay? Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains, have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast unto the den of lions. Okay? So they couldn't find anything wrong with him here to fault him on because he was good at his work while he was living in this land. He was good at his work. They said, okay, so we got to use his, his god thing. we got to use, use his worship habits. We've got to use his god as a way. So, so this is what you need to do, king. Make it against the law that anyone can worship anyone but you for 30 days. Anyone but you for 30 days. Just pausing here for a moment, I had to say to you, saints of God, as you're listening and you're pondering this, I don't know where this so-called new normal is going, but based on what they are saying about the churches and how churches were put on, on, on second, uh, second base, so to speak, we were not deemed to be essential. How this individual stood up there at a microphone and said, now all of a sudden it's dangerous if they even sing in church because singing in church spreads germs. Okay, So they're, they're trying to find fault at, at how and our reasons for worshiping. All right? And God knows if they had their their way with it all, then who knows how long it would be before they were would uh, would, would okay us us even opening up our doors had it not been for the president on Friday. Amen. Amen. You see, see, but but God's will will be done. And what I'm trying to say to you today is that, Lord, uh, boy, I mean, you know, use some discernment. Pray about what you hear and see is going on. All right. Okay. Things are not done idly. There's a method to their madness, I believe. I believe if they had their way that they would also get to stifle us and to find reason to lock us up, quote-unquote, so to speak, the way they are plotting against Daniel here. Okay? All right? So, so it goes on to say um, uh, in verse number 8, sorry about that, Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Okay. 
Now, verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. In other words, as he'd always done, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God. Underline that, please. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and he had his window open. Okay. Underline, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Right. So even though he, even though this decree was written, Daniel still chose to do what he had always done. He had kneeled before God. He prayed three times a day. He didn't close his windows. He didn't become a closet Christian, if you will, and not speak about his his uh, his his dedication to God. Okay, he didn't run scared. He did it openly and boldly. He knelt three times a day with his windows open. Amen. Amen. So wherever this new normal is going and whatever it may, quote unquote, require, require us to do. How many of us are going to be bold enough and strong enough to stand to what we know that God wants us to do? OK, and not be cowered by the so-called the rules of the so-called new normal. All right. Something's afoot, saints of God. But how many of us will be bold enough and strong enough to stick to doing what we know God wants us to do? Amen. Amen. So these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication unto his God. Amen. Amen. You see, when Daniel was in this place, this uh, position of authority over the other princes, as I said, they grew jealous and they wanted to get rid of him by getting the king to forbid this uh, worshiping for 30 days, you know. But forbidding prayer, forbidding worship for 30 days is, is to rob God of all the tribute that God receives from man, you know, and to rob man, on the other hand, and to rob man of all the comfort that he finds in God. You see, so 30 days is an awful long time. Five days, two days, one day is an awful long time to forbid us to worship God. Does not every man's heart tell him when in need or distress to call upon God? So all of a sudden, if they had their way, they would prevent us from doing that. Amen. We could not live a day without God. And can you live 30 days without prayer? You know, persecuting laws are always under false pretenses. Singing in church will spring more will, will spread more virus. That's a that's a false present, pretense, you know. But they want to find some excuse, some reason. As I said, Daniel prayed openly and on schedule. And though he was a man, and I'm sure he was a man that had plenty to do in the position that uh, the position that the king gave him, but he did not think of any excuse that would take him away from his daily exercises of devotion and praying to God. So we know that Daniel was thrown into the lion's den because of the other because the other princes told the king. So we pick up in verse number um, uh, sixteen here. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet. And with the signet of his lords, then the purpose that the purpose might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. So after doing this, the king couldn't sleep. He was he was he was he was wrestling with what he had done. Nineteen. 
Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me. Forasmuch as before him innocency was found in me, as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. In other words, there's no reason to throw me in this lion's den. Verse 23. Then was the king exceeding glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken out up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. Underline, because he believed in his God. Amen? Amen? Wherever this thing is going to take us with this new normal, and God is in charge, God is in charge, we will continue to be able to do what God wants us to do, but but just want to make you aware that the attempt is out there in some form or some fashion. Amen? Amen? But But how firm again will we be to stick to what God wants us to do? All right? How, how many of us will be bold enough to stand up and do what God wants us to do? Amen. Then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they to take him up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no man of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. All we have to do is to keep faith. 24. And the king commanded and they brought those men which had accused Daniel. And they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, their wives, and, and the lions had the mastery of them, and break all their bones in pieces, or ever they came out, they came at the bottom of the den. Gee whiz. Boy, that's, that, that, that's terrible. But those men who falsely accused Daniel, they got what was due them. Not only them, but their, their children and their wives were thrown into the den. Verse 25, Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Underline that. Tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. Underline. For he is the living God. And steadfast forever, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. Isn't that amazing? Okay, okay. For this, for this heathen, for this non-believer, for this idolater, this king Nebuchadnezzar, to turn around and all of a sudden start honoring Daniel's God, start honoring our God, start lifting up our God before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall even be unto the end. Okay? Verse 27, He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Amen? Amen? And then the rest of the story is just fascinating to read through chapter 7, where, again, uh, Daniel has the vision, some other visions, and so on. But it's just fascinating. But the whole point here is saints of God. Is that if there is some dastardly plot here with this so-called uh, uh, new normal, 
It is not the first time that a child of God, we as children of God, okay, have been 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 uh, uh, thrust into a situation where someone or some body of people was attempting to change how we worship God, to change our concept of God, to change our love for God. It isn't the first time. And the same way Daniel persevered, the same way Daniel stuck to his guns and did not change his mind regardless of what he was threatened with, okay, even up until the point of death, he stood firm. He stood firm. We need to do the same way, all right? As the upcoming weeks and months and years, for that matter, unfold, if Jesus tarries to return, okay, the Word of God talks about uh, uh, the new world government, the one world government, I should say, all right? And how attempts will be made to have one unifying figure at the head of the world. Okay, there's been talk. There's been talk among politicians, you know, about a borderless globe, where countries do not have borders. In order for no countries to have borders, there has to be one border, so to speak, around the whole world with one leader. That would be that one world government. Okay. So we need to we need to to be careful. The New Age movement talked about uh, about a a one world, you know, where the world would would reach its its glory. Mankind would be lifted up and elevated because of this new thinking. Okay, I don't need new thinking. I like the old thinking that God has presented us with, that God tells us to hold on to. I don't need someone to come along to tell me that this is how you need to do things or that what you're doing or how you're worshiping is not the way that you should be worshiping. Here's a new way to worship. Here's a nicer way to worship. This way, you know, we're not isolating people. We can all come together as one. Okay. God wants us to come all together as one, but it's under his rule, under his commandments, under his will. Not something that man will dream up. Amen, amen, amen. So in, in, in moving forward here, all I'm just going to say here in closing is for you to beware the new normal. And now that you've heard this, let your ears kind of be tuned. Listen to what's being said roundabout or what's in the papers, okay? Listen how that term gets so loosely and easily thrown out there. The new normal as we return to normal after this coronavirus because they're using this or trying to use this pandemic as a reason to change the way we think, to change the way we behave, to change our course of life. Amen. Amen. So praise God. I just say to you again, one last word here is beware the new normal. I pray that you go forth this day and be blessed and let us close in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, you're a wonderful God. You're an awesome God. And we thank you for this time that we've had with you, Lord God. We pray, O oh Lord, that we shall keep these words deeply, deeply rooted within our spirits so that they cannot be stolen away, O oh Lord God, by the evil one or any other plans or thoughts or words. Let us keep these words that we've heard today deeply planted in our spirits. O oh Lord God, continue to give us discernment, O oh Lord God, that we may see and hear and understand what is going on around us, that any evil plots will be uncovered, that we can see you, at all times, O oh Lord. Keep our eyes focused on you, O oh Lord God. We thank you and we praise you, Lord God. Thank you for being here with us today, O oh Lord. Oh, we praise you and we love you, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that as you all go from here, understand and know that the joy of the Lord is indeed your strength. 
and that you can all do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Go forth this day and be blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. And all together they said, Amen, Amen, and Amen.